Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Booth Podcast. It is the Grey Cup special. It is Grey Cup Saturday if you're listening to this when it comes out. Maybe it's Grey Cup Sunday. Maybe you're listening to this 20 years from now. And who knows? You just wanted to listen about the, the 2021 Grey Cup. But we're going to be talking about it. I hope you're listening 20 years from now. And this is that kind of game. That's my fondest hope for this. Is that 2041, people are like, wow, I need to get all I can know about that 2021 game. Exactly. But yes, it is the Grey Cup. We have arrived. Um, We are ready to analyze the shit out of this game. How are you doing today? If you're tired, if you're already tired of listening to Grey Cup stuff, don't turn us off because we're going to tell you more stuff, all right? Oh, yes, we are. Are you feeling ready for this day? Oh, yeah, it's it's Grey Cup weekend, man, of course. All righty. We will dive in before we get into all the real Grey Cup news. It's just to some general CFL news that has come out during Grey Cup week. It's always a great week for just the league that whole time leading up. And you get lots of announcements. Um, kind of the biggest thing to come out of the state of the league address from the commissioner, Randy Ambrosi, um, was the revenue sharing system that the league will be implementing where teams will share revenues with other teams. So your stronger teams will be helping out your weaker teams financially. Um, I mean, it's good for the health of the CFL because we know, I'm sure there'll be other news coming out as well about how close the CFL actually was in a, into being in a bad way after that canceled COVID season. Um, but I mean, for the health of the league, it's good to see that the revenue sharing, we definitely need a thing like this when you have a team like the Riders that makes so much money hand over fist. And then you have a team like Toronto that can barely stay above water. Right. Yeah. So how this will really work is you'll probably see Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Hamilton, possibly Calgary helping out the weaker teams in BC, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, and Edmonton. Right. The second piece of big news to come out of the state of the league was the new deal between the CFL and Genius Sports. Not a very well-known company. This was the first time I had ever heard about it. But after doing some digging, they are a sports technologies and fan engagement company, which sounds kind of like exactly what the CFL needs. Yeah. Yeah, you bet they do. I mean, so, that's that's the thing, right? It's like they need – I'll let you finish after this, but yeah. the CFL definitely needs – in all those smaller markets, or not even the smaller markets, but the weaker markets we mentioned, you know, BC, Toronto, they need some sort of engagement because, I mean, you have the states that's so close, like the Seahawks for BC or the Bills for Toronto. You have the Raptors, the Blue Jays. You have all this stuff, right? In those big centers, the CFL is getting lost, right? You need something to spark the interest. And like I said, I definitely hope that this is the thing. Because like it's, it's healthy for the CFL if we have rapid fan bases in all nine centers, right? Exactly. So kind of the the broad spectrum of what Genius Sports does um, is kind of in four areas. The first will be kind of the data data capture, management, and analysis game. So that'll be able to be used by the teams as far as film and stuff goes. Right. Um, the next would be video streaming and distribution. So kind of a streaming platform. I don't know if the CFL would use that instead of a a TV deal. I couldn't see that ever happening. Um, Maybe they could do one game a week, video streamed through Genius Sports. That would be an option. Like I said, they could probably be a cool outsourcing network of like, um, when when TSN used to do like Road to the Grey Cup and that kind of stuff. Exactly. you, you You follow one team for the season all through training camp, like a hard knocks kind of thing. That could be something that'd be really cool that we haven't really seen a lot of. Exactly. You'll likely see all the video content you see on CFL.ca now too be managed through genius sports. Right. Um, Third area would be kind of a marketing based marketing based purely (laughs) around fan engagement. So it would be specific fan engagement targeted marketing, which is a hundred percent what the CFL needs right now too. Absolutely. And then the fourth piece, which is probably the biggest piece for the CFL right now, is the sports book side of it. So 
right. Genius Sports manages its own sports book and sports betting. I mean, that's definitely the big one, right? Yeah. You see the dawn of fantasy football. You see the dawn of over under of of odds, right? Like you now, there's whole podcast networks that are only about like betting on the NFL games. There's people who make livings well off being professional sports bettors, right? And you can do it just from football, whether it be college or the NFL. So this is like a big, big piece of revenue that the CFL has been missing for a long time. And I know there's like a lot of the, like the beginning of the year where they had the big controversy with, is Mike Riley going to start for BC? They're misleading everybody for betting and stuff. And I mean, all that stuff aside, I get that, but this is a big piece of revenue, a big piece of the pie in the wider range of what the landscape of football is that the CFL has needed to get on. And it's good to hear that they will, right? Exactly. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, I know in the interest of getting fans in the door, and I would love to see this, if they would do some sort of integrated sports betting systems within the stadium. You go to a booth okay. like you're yeah. about to buy your 50-50s, but now you put down five bucks on the riders minus three. Oh, yeah. Or like the specific over-unders or yeah, exactly. whatever they offer you, right? But yeah, it would be nice, interesting to see that, right? You have so many food counters, so many whatever, those kind of things at the stadium to have a little betting one and a couple in each stadium, right? Yeah, I was, I think they were starting to get, get going with that. When I went into the West final, just outside the stadium, um, the current betting company that the CFL uses, Bet Regal, had a booth set up outside the stadium. So that was interesting to see. I didn't go and talk to them or anything, but interesting to see that the CFL is starting to have a hard push into the sports betting game, which should help with the fan engagement for sure. I think this is like really interesting as well for the CFL because if, if for years it's been the mantra of Canadian football, like no lead is safe. Yeah. And with the CFL being right, the clock doesn't, doesn't keep taking down like it does in the NFL. Really, this is one of the more unpredictable leagues of football. There's a lot of even little subtle changes like big catches you can review. Hey, they only need one foot in bounds, right? You don't have to make the two foot stab like other places that can really affect games and affect games late. So the CFL is interesting. You can make a lot of money if you bet the underdogs to say, and they pull out the wins because that happens a lot, right? It does. And that's kind of maybe where, the CFL may struggle a little bit bringing betters in the door, bringing in experienced betters because it's not a safe league to bet. It's not a safe league by any means to bet, which is I think where we hear some of the talk arising of possibly adding a fourth down, changing some of the rules, which many CFL fans, including myself, don't want to see happen. The CFL rules are great and they're part of what makes the sport the sport. But that being said, if, the CFL is in real financial issues and they think this is a way to get out of them. You do got to do what you need to do. Right. And that, that's what I was going to say. And you're bringing it up as well. It's like, Hey, I like the rules too. Don't get me wrong. We grew up playing Canadian rules football, yeah. but if it's keep your rules or crumble and collapse, then you're going to have to change the rules. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then we get into a little more of the, on the field side of the news with the rumors starting to arise this week about the Edmonton Elks in their search for head coach and GM. And now a hard look is being taken at Chris Jones. This is the best move that the Elks can make if they do this, right? The only other best move that they could do is if Wally Buono is going to come out of retirement and be their coach, but he's not right. He's here as a, as an advisor and, This guy's smart enough to know, like, Chris Jones, he's won a Grey Cup in Edmonton, not to mention that we still have Chris Jones to thank in Saskatchewan for the way our team has been built. A lot of these guys were Chris Jones pickups, right? Like, we have a – he's helped establish the Riders' defense being as dominant as they are. Um, You can't say a whole lot for the Toronto thing this season because he came halfway through, but we've seen that Chris Jones makes the tough choices – he understands football is a business and he knows his business. Well, that's a guy that I would trust to turn around this team. And I hope that they do make that move for the sake of Edmonton as a team and their fan base, 
because he's the kind of guy that'll get things done from top to bottom right. 100%. That guy is just a guy who knows this league and knows this game very well, who you want on your coaching staff. He's a guy, some people don't like the way he goes about things. He did get fined a few times in Saskatchewan for the way he went about business. Um, But he wins. He's a winner. He wins your team games and he builds great teams. I mean, you'll, you just look at his specialties defense, right? Yeah. Even if you look at the great cup game now, both teams have had a really hot defense coming in. You need a good defense. And Chris Jones is the man that knows about defense as good as anybody. Exactly. Now, finally, we can get to the game itself. The Grey Cup, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And the question going into the week, right after the East Final ended, was, will it be Dane Evans? Will it be Jeremiah Masoli? Who's going to be the starting quarterback? And I kind of thought, personally, they were going to play this thing out. We were going to have to wait and see. And I believe on Wednesday, Orlando Steinhauer said, Dane will start. Dane Evans will be our starting quarterback in the Grey Cup. No fancy lights, no cameras, just Dane's the quarterback. This is Dane's game. Go get it. Yeah, it's interesting that they didn't try to play games with this because especially in the championship game, you think you'd want to make them study harder for both guys, right? But this almost makes me think that maybe there will be um, which there's a lot of argument for it gets guys out of the rhythm. It's not the best thing to do if they almost will use both quarterbacks. Um, and you're, because I mean, it might just be a different mind game. We didn't think of like, we're going to see Mazzoli still, but as, as a whole, like, I think we were talking about this at, at a different point earlier in the week, but like, you have to go with the hot hand right now. It's about who's hotter. Dane Evans maybe hasn't played a lot this season as much, but he's proven already. We saw what happened in 2019. He brought this team to this Grey Cup to be in the Grey Cup, just like Winnipeg did. Same thing, same Grey Cup rematches last year. And Dane Evans took over that East Final, sparked Hamilton, and here they are at home, right? So you have to ride the hot hand. And I think one aspect of it that I haven't really heard of, but I think is smart, is that um it's a momentum thing it's a it's it's for the stadium it's in hamilton it will be a predominantly tiger town crowd there and you don't want your team to be your starting offense to be announced and to hear them boom Mazzoli because they want dane evans right you want them to be with you right from the get-go and i think having dane evans as that starter as we've heard the clamoring all year for dane evans is good because you know you'll have the fans with you exactly I think another thing to be said, the weather is supposed to be fairly nice, I believe, on Sunday. But Dane is really that more of that kind of gritty, hard-nosed runner. Right. He makes the hard plays. I don't want to do a direct comparison, but I will. The kind of Cody Fajardo-like guy. He's going to put his body on the line to make the plays. Right. And that's kind of the guy you want playing in the Grey Cup. That's the guy you want playing when the weather's a little cold. He's going to just fight through that adversity and, and he's going to play well. Right. And I, I think that's a, that's a good point is what you made too, is like, you want a guy who's fearless like that, right. Yeah. Who's willing to get the hit for the first down. Who's not worried about being injured so many times in the last three years, like Mazzoli has been. And like, when you just look at, not to say that Jeremiah Mazzoli's not a competitor because he is, but when you think of Dane Evans and what he shows, he's a gamer, right? Yep. You can tell this guy hates to lose and he will do anything to win the game. So in, in all metrics, as far as we've been saying, basically, good move, Steinauer, because Dane Evans should be starting. Yeah. And props to Dane for all season. I don't know how many games he started this year, but it wasn't many. Yeah. And he sat there on that bench and took his, took his reps when he got them, and he is fully prepared to lead this team to a Grey Cup championship. Absolutely. And <laughs> – Last the last time they played when in that great cup game two years ago, but the last great cup, Dane Evans played too. So, you know, this is especially sweet for him to try to get the taste out of his mouth. It wouldn't be the same for a guy like that if your team got revenge on the other team, beat them, but you didn't start this time. You were only the starter when you lost, right? Exactly. 
that would that would just be so tough yeah so i mean i guess a point two to make for this game is the one little note i have is the only time these teams met this year was week one the opening game on thursday that opened the season winnipeg beat hamilton 19 to 6 neither of these teams are the same oh no not only was mazzoli the starter that game but that was week one after a a year gap for both of these teams these teams are in it now these teams are are battle tested they're ready it's not going to be the hamilton puts up six and then does nothing well winnipeg gets 19 by the end like it was in week one right definitely not this is like you said two completely different teams there's been roster changeover there's been injuries there's just been and honestly yeah guys have learned because they had a whole year off and throwing yourselves on a football field after an entire year off, you're not going to play like the same team you did in the Grey Cup two years ago. So this is, you can put about zero onus on that first week one game between these two teams. So let's take a look and go through some team previews. We will start with the visiting Winnipeg Blue Bombers and what a dominant season it was for Winnipeg. One of the most dominating seasons we've seen in recent history in the CFL finishing the season with a record of 11 and three, two of those losses coming after they had already clinched first in the West and were starting to rest their, their starting, uh, starting players. So really this was a team that lost one game, one game. Yeah. And it was kind of a fluky loss to Toronto as well. Right. This team had a very real possibility of being undefeated. Really, it's, it's unless like it's not saying it's not possible, but it's as close as probably we've seen. We're going to get for a while to an unbeaten team, right? Yeah. Nobody was better than this team. Um, I think the best thing that could happen for Winnipeg coming into this game was the game they had with the Riders in that West Final, because that game they lost the turnover battle. They had all sorts of adversity that they had to overcome. And when you're, you're used to just playing easy games and having no meaningful games, to have an absolute barn burner like that, that's exactly what they needed to get back into the swing of it, right? Exactly. This, this Winnipeg team is, I think, yeah, like you said, they, they needed that game. And I think a lot of it was the fact that they hadn't played a meaningful game in so long. Right. So it was very good for them to get that game under the belt because that was about as meaningful as a game as you can get. Right. And you saw them underperform. You saw them throw or have six turnovers and just really had let the riders hang in there in a game where riders offense was not playing well. And, and yeah, Winnipeg comes out with it and they've been tested now and they proved they can win in those clutch situations. And, I believe they'll be putting some of those clutch situations against Hamilton in the great cup. Obviously it's the great cup. It's a great cup. Yeah. So, I mean, just some, some overall general stats about the Winnipeg blue bombers, 11 time great cup champions, 25 great cup appearances, the most in the CFL. A lot of those were maybe not so many lately besides the year last year and this year, those were like the Dunnigan years and those kind of things, but that still tells you this is a team that knows what it's like to win, not just because they won years before, but uh, an organization that has a standard of winning. And you have to keep that into consideration in general, but especially because their roster is primarily still all the Grey Cup champions from last year. They don't have any links that don't know what it's like to play in a championship game because they were all there a year ago as far as Grey Cup goes, right? So that's like, that's its own... um, its own X factor in its own right is they have a lot of experience and not just individual experience, but experience as a team unit in the great cup. Right. Exactly. This, the big part about this Winnipeg team, you have to look at is this defense. This is a very good defense on this. Sure team. Is. Let up the least points all season with 188 points against them. The next closest was Calgary with 263 yeah, not even close. Right? Not even close. Yep. But you can say so much about this defense, that defensive line, that linebacking core, that secondary, they're all 
great units and have all-stars in all of them. That offense is a good unit too. Zach Galeros is a guy who has found his home in Winnipeg. He was, he was great in Hamilton, but he was battling through injuries, battling through all the concussions. Maybe wasn't the right spot for him in Hamilton. Comes over to Saskatchewan, and that sure was not the right fit for him because he did not do well. He again battled concussions. He, everybody in Saskatchewan will remember our, in 2019 when we thought our season was done, when we watched Simone Lawrence just lay a lick on Zach Calero straight to the head in yeah. week one. Yeah. We thought our season was over. And then who comes in but untested, unproven quarterback, Cody Fajardo. <laughs> who went on to have a 2019 West MOP season. <laughs> well, I mean, we could talk about Fajardo for a while, but that's not why we're here. Right? No, I just got to talk about <laughs> the Riders a little bit. Yeah. The thing I, I think is really interesting about this Winnipeg team, um, we'll get to the defense after, but like when you actually look at the roster assembly for this offense, it's it's a team that can kill you in every way possible. Yeah. I mean, it's they have Darvin Adams, they have Kenny Lawler. These guys are deep threat weapons that they can use at any time. They have Nick Densky, who's a yards after catch guy. They have Wolitarski, who's just a, a third down or second down convert possession type of receiver. They have Patrick Newfeld, Stanley Bryan, Jamarcus Hardrick on that O line who can absolutely maul you. You have Zach Claros, who's one of the one of the better throwers of the football, distributor of the football. By no means is he a bad runner either if he's in trouble. And then they said you have Andrew Harris and Brady Oliveira, right? This is an offense that's not weak anywhere that can kill you in any way it wants. And it has, and that's a big reason why they've been so dominant this year, right? Talk about a team that just has Canadian depth and good Canadian depth, especially in that running back room or even on that offense when you have guys like Andrew Harris and Oliveira and Nick Dembski, like just uh, when you want to talk about the Canadian Football League, take a look at those Winnipeg Blue Bombers because that is some damn good Canadians on that team. Yeah, and then, I mean, we jump right over to the defense there. And, like, let's even forget about the secondary for a bit. But you have you have Jackson Jeffcoat, Willie Jefferson, Adam Big Hill. You have, you have Thomas there in the middle at D-tackle. You guys have – even at weak side linebacker, they have a guy like Kyrie Wilson, or they can pick to, to put the Canadian in Briggs, right? Who's had a great year in his own right at the weak side position. That front seven is so loaded. Um, and the thing about well, maybe when we get into Hamilton, we'll talk about it, but this Hamilton run game is not anything special. You know what I mean? By any means, Don Jackson's probably not the guy that's going to go in there and tear apart the list of guys I just put up on that front seven. So, like, that's a pretty dangerous unit, man. Like, Big Hill is is pr- very likely may win Defensive Player of the Year for, what, his third time. The last year's Defensive Player of the Year, Willie Jefferson. Jeff Coat is a for- formidable opponent, to say the least, on the other end. This is a scary unit. It's a very scary unit. Just, it's easy. <laughs> You sometimes wonder, you just look at a team like this and say, how did you end up with all these guys? Right. How did you end up with all these ballers? Because you didn't do the Toronto thing where you just stacked up in one year. You gradually built this team over a number of years, and it turns out you found some diamonds and you found some studs in there. Even like a guy like last year, I don't think they had Brandon Alexander at safety, but that dude is a legitimate like big hit if I see my opportunity, I will throw my full weight at you safety, right? So you can't just throw balls in that kind of mid-range in the middle of the field if you're going to be Dane Evans and expect your guys to be safe because Brandon Alexander is looking to tear you apart, right? Exactly. Not to mention that they have guys. Alfred has had a strong year on the corner. Winston Rose is a guy who is on the Bengals practice roster who used to be a, a bomber, and he's back now. Back in time, an NFL sort of NFL level talent almost back with the bombers, right? Like even this back end, you have to, you have to be on the lookout, right? Because they have guys who will take the ball away. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think I think that that's your Winnipeg team. That is, and that was the best team in the CFL this year by by far. far. Yeah, it wasn't close. There was no argument for who had the best regular season in the CFL. Then we move to the hometown, Steel City, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Oski wee wee, as they say, right? Oski wee wee. Come in with a record of eight and six through the regular season. It was a bit of an up and down season for the Tiger Cats, ending really strong, though. Getting that second place spot in the East Division took took them right till the last week of the season to clinch that, that home playoff game. But now they get their second home playoff game, and it's the Grey Cup. Uh, see, the thing for me, which. Um... On paper, the Ticats don't look like they match up quite as well. I mean, we can go through the roster after I get this piece out, but for me, it seems like the Ticats stuff, it's all situational and momentum and the home field advantage. That's the kind of advantage that the Ticats have, right? That's stuff that you necessarily don't measure in stuff like grading players and in areas of stats, right? Because while we said Winnipeg luckily won the West final and got the game they needed to wake up. That's still a fact that they needed to wake up. Hamilton has been playing meaningful football all season long with the, with the idea that they want revenge on Winnipeg and they want to do it at home for their fans. Right. This is a team that has been steadily building up, knocking down adversaries one at a time. You see a team like they beat uh, Montreal, good team, really offensive-minded team, the leading rusher in the league, completely neutralized them. You go when they play Toronto, they want to show, hey, I know Toronto won the East, but we need to get home and we need to prove that losing to these guys three times wasn't what we actually are. And they went out there and they took it to them. They really did. They actually took it to them with all the weapons that Toronto signed in the offseason to try to be an all-star team. They simply shut them down. And now you have a team raring with confidence with something to prove with vengeance on their mind at home it seems like that's the recipe it's maybe all the psychological stuff that gives Hamilton an edge in this one yeah and there's something to be said about playing the Grey Cup in home and how teams don't often lose that game right I believe the last time that a home team that the true home team in a Grey Cup lost was 2008 when Montreal lost to Calgary in Montreal in Olympic Stadium. There's been a lot of home team wins since then, though. There is. In you had Toronto 2013, the Riders. You had three years straight of home team champion. Was BC, wasn't it? Yeah, it was BC yeah. and then Toronto and then Saskatchewan, all back to back to back. Let's not let's not forget that the high flying Chiefs last year in the NFL looked unstoppable, and the hometown Bucks too absolutely dismantled them and you know what i mean there's there's definitely something to be said about you're at home you're in your own bed you maybe are a little bit busier but in general you can keep your routine the same you're not living in a hotel right yeah that is something that that comfort of being home is exactly. definitely something that helps guys prepare right yeah i think another thing that helps you prepare is having somebody with great cup experience like I said, with those three teams, those three teams had something in common. And I mean, that something in common was Ricky Foley because he played for all three of those teams. Yeah. So you have guys with Grey Cup experience. And there's nobody in this game that I think has more Grey Cup experience than Ja'Garrett Davis. Ja'Garrett Davis, defensive end. Hit me with the stats, Rich. This man came into the league in 2016 with Calgary. 2019 was his first year with Hamilton. Right. Since 2016... He has been to every great cup. So this guy literally has never had a season where he didn't play in the great cup. This guy has never had a CFL season where he didn't play in the great cup. 2016 was Calgary versus Ottawa. Ottawa did yeah. win that one. 2017 was Calgary versus Toronto. Toronto won that one. Uh, Calgary versus Ottawa was 2018. Again, uh, Calgary did end up taking that one. And then, Last season was Hamilton versus Winnipeg, which 
Hamilton did lose too. So he does have a one and four record right now. But, but I mean, that's a guy that knows exactly what it's like, right? Exactly. That's that's not even to, to top off that. A lot of these guys have Grey Cup experience on their own. Last, the season before included, but Simone Lawrence for sure has three Grey Cups under his belt yep. as a tie cat. I think Laurent might have two or three as well. Um, Dane Evans has a start from last season that he can yep. work off of. Banks has... At least this will be his third great cup, I think. Maybe not no fourth if he was on the Thai Cats when they played the Riders in Regina, if yeah. that. Van Zyl's a guy with great cup experience. Revenberg has great cup experience. You know what I mean? It's not that they're this team is not an inexperienced team by any means. It's not one of those young teams that this is an unknown. They have guys who can put everybody at ease if they weren't one of the guys that played last year in the great cup, right? Exactly. There's that Grey Cup experience is just something you can't replicate. This week is unlike any other week in the CFL. You just, you can't imagine what it's like for the players. I don't want to keep bringing up Saskatchewan, but we are in Saskatchewan. And it's just like, you get overwhelmed. You had Saskatchewan Rough Riders players that weren't allowed out of their houses or their hotels during Grey Cup week in Regina. And that is going to be the same for these players in Hamilton. You think you can go out for a bite to eat if you're a Hamilton Tiger Cats player right now? No, you will get mauled down by those Tiger Cats fans because they just want to talk to you. They want to talk about Sunday, and it'll be a madhouse in Hamilton. I mean, that's that goes both ways as well, though. Is they probably are not going to let, especially the COVID stuff, the bombers go out as much either. No. And I sure as hell rather be stuck at home than stuck in a hotel, right? Exactly. So let's take a look. Let's compare the teams. Let's go head-to-head. The pass games versus the pass defense. The run games versus the run defense. Let's start with Winnipeg on offense. Let's look at that Winnipeg pass offense versus that Hamilton pass defense. It's one of those things, too, whereas on paper, almost, I think, for a lot of these, it's one of those things where it just looks like Winnipeg has the edge, right, in almost everything. Because, I mean, like like we mentioned before, you got Darvin Adams, a big target. you got Kenny Lawler, who's a guy who can go up and make a play. you got Dembski, a yards-after-catch guy. Woltarski's a, a possession receiver. And you got Caleros, who's always pretty reliable arm, honestly, to get the ball where he needed to be and an offensive line that absolutely is capable of giving him the time he needs, right? For sure. But on the other end, the Ticats, they still have guys, veteran guy like Siante Evans. They have a guy, Roll, who's been playing well. They have Dario Brooks, who we mentioned, I think we're going to mention now, was tied for the league lead in picks. Yep. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, it's not a, a unit to be overlooked by any means, right? But when you list the names of the Bomber guys, then you list some of the Ticats guys we mentioned, it seems like it's going to be a Winnipeg advantage, right? I think I would definitely give Winnipeg the advantage there, and that's not taking anything away from that Hamilton defense because I would probably take that Hamilton secondary over a lot of passing games in this league. But that Winnipeg passing attack is is dangerous. Yeah, they just have so many guys who are – so good in different situations, right? Just just completely well-rounded. One thing I will mention for that too is don't be surprised when Simone Lawrence ends up getting a pick. That dude has a nose for the ball for some reason. Every year he seems to have like three picks, one at a really meaningful time, like a pick six here and there, right? Yeah. Don't be surprised if the ball somehow ends up in Simone Lawrence's hands. Yeah, I, and yeah, like you said, when it does – don't discount him on getting to the end zone because that guy is a pick six machine as well. Yeah, we've, we've seen whether it's tips or whether it's just he, he, he undercuts like a little curl route or an option stick kind of thing. That dude gets a lot of pick sixes in his career. So that might be a guy even to watch out for in that past year and that past defense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think, yes, both of us will be giving the advantage to Winnipeg there. Yeah. And I have a feeling when I say this next one, we might be giving the advantage to Winnipeg too, too when I say 
the Winnipeg rushing attack versus the Hamilton rush defense. Andrew Harris. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's 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 the whole thing. It's that O line is so experienced and is so good. A guy like Stanley Bryant, who's a perennial All Star, a perennial offensive lineman of the year at many different points. Solid hands, like you know, Newfelt Hardrick has played well above what he's people may think of him when they don't know the name just as much as it is that Andrew Harris is phenomenal he's a different breed of guy for the CFL and Olivier has shown that he's a starter playing as a backup right now that O-line is absolutely like they snuff people out right definitely but then you look and these are actually some good names if you watch the CFL this Hamilton defensive line if you Think about it. Maybe they don't stand out to you, but when you list the names, Jaguar Davis, Ted Laurent, Dylan Wynn, um, Hauser, whatever. I don't know how to say 95's last name. That it's the tie cat's end. Hauser? Julian Hauser? Hauser? Is that his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I know who he is. I just don't know how to say his yeah. name. But I've seen that guy make some plays all year as well. So, I mean, it's not that this unit is anything to stuff your nose at either. Simone Lawrence to fill some gaps on the outside. A former uh, bomber, Santos Knox in the middle, right? These guys know how to play in the CFL. These guys have been on winning teams. I think this one is if they're going to if they're going to be able to take something away, I think they can take away the run. We saw them do it with Standback. We saw them negate the run against Toronto as well last week. I think that is a realistic goal for the Tie Cats is to take away the run. But like I said, it's just the fact that that bomber's attack is so multifaceted, right? Yeah. I think the reason you didn't see a lot from Andrew Harris this year was purely the injuries. It was, this guy hasn't been healthy. And that was really left the door open to just showcase that Montreal run game. And it really overshadowed the the run game in, in Winnipeg for the entire CFL. Right. But this is a team that if Andrew Harris was healthy all season, you bet that guy's going to lead the league in rushing and you bet he's going to set, I guess you can't set records in a 14 game season, but you can come close right? with with the dominant team that they had in Winnipeg this year. Like I said, I guess if we're going to go for it, I guess you should give probably Winnipeg the edge because of how dominant that, that especially that offensive line has been. But I, I'm a lot more confident in Hamilton's ability to stop the run than we were comparing that set. Because I think that they have the guys up front to do it. Definitely. Definitely. But yes, I think the edge still does go to Winnipeg. Right. So let's flip the script. We got a turnover. Hamilton offense on the field. Let's take a look at that Hamilton pass game versus that Winnipeg pass defense. Uh, this is like an interesting unit for the Ticats here. I mean, I like that Dane Evans is is in because he can get the ball where it needs to go. And the big name that stands out when we're talking about the passing game is Brandon Banks. And this has not been a banner year for Brandon Banks. But I think in the biggest situation, we can't discredit Speedy B being just that, right? An over-the-top threat with his speed, a guy who can catch a jet sweep, and in if he has the right amount of space, can really make it work, right? We've seen in the last couple of weeks, a guy like White has got a lot more touches. Jalen Acklin has seemed to find his way to the end zone lately. This is a team that obviously wouldn't get here without weapons because they have weapons. But maybe it's just names that people haven't heard of as much. Acklin, Dunbar, uh, White. You know what I mean? Those kind of guys aren't as quite as well known as the Darvin Adams. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll read you their stats right. here. Tim White had 774 yards this season. Jalen Acklin had 678 and Dunbar had 630. Like that is great stats for a 14 game season. Right. That's a lot of production from a lot of different guys. Right. Exactly. And that's not even mentioning, like we said, their linchpin Brandon Banks, who's just starting to get hot right now. Yeah, exactly. Let's see that. See that Bombers pass defense. So they have a lot of experienced guys. We know Big Hill is, if you throw it too close to his zone, Big Hill has shown he can get picks. Let's not discount that. 
very similar to Simone Lawrence. Maybe not, it's not always in the biggest moment, but Big Hill, if you get a little bit too frisky with him, he can get picks, right? We've seen the cornerback Alfred have himself a really good season. Alexander at safety is a guy that instills fear. Like I said, you can, <laughs> you know that your head can get knocked off at any second. And then said they got a guy back, Winston Rose. They have Nichols at halfback who's had a good year. I I don't even know really who to give the advantage to in this one, to be honest. It seems like it's almost like would be a push. You know what I mean? It does feel like a push. I um, I honestly might give the advantage to to Hamilton in this one just because I see the the number the amount of production they've got out of multiple guys this year right and I think I think you got a good o-line there too that's gonna even with that that Winnipeg d-line is gonna give Evans a good pocket and like we said Evans is not afraid of taking shots and getting the ball to his receivers so I think I'll give a slight, the slightest of advantage to Hamilton in this one. I agree with you um, for also the reason that like it's, it's maybe me playing armchair OC a bit again, but you, that's probably how when Hamilton, that's your strength is your pass game. And that's the way that you need to be scheming to attack the Bombers, right? Not only because maybe your running game hasn't been what you wanted it to be, but because that Winnipeg, Blue Bombers run defense is so stifling that you need the pass game to be how you win this game. So we should give the edge to Hamilton. Yeah, I think so. So let's move on to what has been not an amazing rushing offense for Hamilton this season versus the Winnipeg rush defense. Let's let's just start with the running backs of the Ticats. And I'm not saying either of these guys are bad, but you tell me if these were the elite backs of the CFL. Don Jackson and Thomas Erlington, right? Yeah. Capable running backs, but not names that will instill fear in you, right? I think the only thing you could say that maybe instilled fear was Don Jackson's 95-yard game against Toronto last week. That instills some confidence in you that you have the momentum in the running games right now. Right. But it's it's at least enough that you know you can get it going against – against a team that was first in the East, right? It's not that, and I'm not saying that it's not going to work at all. Like you said, you're not going to sit there and be like, wow, Hamilton had minus 50 rushing yards or anything. But when you look at the guys up front, like we mentioned, Jeff Coat, Thomas, Jefferson, Big Hill, Wilson, Briggs, you know what I mean? These are guys that are made to play in the front seven. They want to get their nose towards the football. They want to fill these gaps. I said, well, we, we talk a lot about Jefferson as a pass rusher, but this is not a guy that cannot make a TFL in the backfield when the play comes his way, right? Every single one of these guys, and especially Big Hill, who that's his strength is, is tackles, right? Making big tackles at big times. A guy that can get a sack as well. That's the leader of that defense, and they take his work ethic – when they play against the run. Yeah, this was a team that let up the third least yards per game against the run in the CFL, an average of 86.6 yards per game. Right. Interestingly, Hamilton was first on that list with 79.6 yards against the run per game. And that's interesting. That's what I went back to saying, though, right? It's if any team is going to be able to neutralize the run, it might be Hamilton. You know what I mean? So I guess I would still give Winnipeg the the edge on this one. Yeah. But I would almost want to relook at the rush game versus the Hamilton defense and almost make it a push. I think that one might actually be a push the more I look at it. And just the way they shut down stand back, too. Correct. I think, yes, let's backtrack. Let's give that one a push, but let's definitely give the Winnipeg rush defense the advantage over the Hamilton rush offense. Winnipeg rush defense, Winnipeg passing game have the advantage. There's a push on the Bombers run, Ticats run defense, and then a slight edge for the Hamilton pass game against the Bombers pass defense. So overall, I think we got some a good game ahead of us looking at it like that. Yep. So I think let, the one thing the one thing about this is 
there is less room for error on the Ticat side maybe than the Winnipeg side, right? Just because the Winnipeg has been so good, that defense is so stifling. They have so many weapons on offense. If you turn the ball over, if you're the Ticats, you're going to be in trouble. And we saw last week that even turning the ball over, that this team is good enough in Winnipeg that they may be able to win the game still, right? Yeah, definitely. So let's move on to some picks. We're going to start this off by talking about the awards, the the Grey Cup awards. And I want you to tell me if Hamilton wins the game, who will be the most outstanding player and who will be the most outstanding Canadian? If Hamilton wins. If Hamilton wins. Um, because I think that this game is going to be won by that by that Hamilton pass offense, I almost think, as, as cliche as it's just, it's just to say, it might be Dane Evans, right? He might be the guy who has to come in and lead this team. And I would almost put my money that Dane Evans is the guy that will lead this team. Because, I mean, Brandon Banks has the possibility of going off for these big, quick runs, these big passes, right? But we've seen how evenly that the Ticats pass game has distributed the ball to these receivers who each get 600, 700 yards of offense. But that all comes through the quarterback, the quarterback distributing the ball. So I'll go Dane Evans if the Ticats win for outstanding player. I think when I look at outstanding player, I think we could – I don't know if I'm stretching too far on this because this is football still and this is awards, but I think we could see a defensive player here. And I think I would, like, talk, I would like to see that. I would like I, to see that. I think when we talk about Simone Lawrence and if he can get himself a big interceptions, possibly a pick six, have a bunch of tackles, maybe a sack. I think great. that is a great game to have for Simone Lawrence. And that is most outstanding player worthy if they win. I, I honestly thought about Simone Lawrence as well, but that's just not the way that they like it. They like the offense, no. right? But I mean, I, I'm nobody be happier than me to see a linebacker get that award, right? Exactly. I think it needs to be an extraordinary game from a linebacker to get that award. But I think yeah. Simone Lawrence is one of those guys can, that can have that extraordinary game. Right. How about Canadian? If Hamilton wins, who's going to be your most outstanding Canadian? And for any listeners who don't know, you don't have to be on the winning team to get these awards. We see that <laughs> commonly in the CFL that especially the most outstanding Canadian is just at the game. There might be a Canadian that has a really good game on the other team that gets that award. Most recently I can remember would be, I believe, was it Andy Fantuz in 2014 had a great game against Calgary and got the award. Yeah, I think he did. I don't know if there's been any since then. I don't either. It's one of those things where like, um, it's tough to see because, you know, a lot of the depth of Canadian football is, is that the linemen are your Canadians, right? Yeah. And it looks like a lot of that is the way that the Ticats depth chart breaks down as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if they win, if in a huge critical moment, if Dylan Wynn is a guy that breaks through, has a forced fumble set to see maybe a guy like Dylan Wynn on that really imposing front of the Ticats be outstanding Canadian, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, honestly, obviously, there's Andrew Harris sitting on the other sidelines. So right now, and I'm trying not to go there, but I don't want to like- go there. But we'll we'll save that for when we talk about Winnipeg. But you got to remember that that is definitely a possibility. Right. Absolutely. I, I don't know where I want to go with this. This is this is a tough one because, like you said, a lot of those Canadians are on the line. I like your idea of Dylan Lynn. I think I think that's a good one. I think he's a guy that we've seen make big plays as well on that defense. And I think there would be a real shot for him to get an award like that. Absolutely. So let's move on. If Winnipeg wins the Grey Cup, who is the most outstanding player? See, there's like a lot of different ways I can see this one going, Matt. I can see it being Claros. I can see it being Andrew Harris. I can see it being Willie Jefferson. I could see it being Adam Big Hill. That's how many really good players they have. But um, just because I, I think I almost would say 
my prediction is going to be Willie Jefferson that he has, he's so good against on that pass rush. He can make tackles for loss. And the one thing that he's really, I mean, if you watch a CFL, you know, but some people may not think of is his ability to swat balls or to tip balls with his long frame. Right. I can see that being a lot of problems, him tipping balls and causing turnovers that way. My pick is Willie Jefferson. Damn, that was going to be my pick too. Now I feel like oh, I yeah. got to pick somebody else. But like, <laughs> just to talk on Willie Jefferson a little bit before I pick somebody else is there's not a lot of defensive players can, that can really be a true game changer and can have such an impact on a game that that game is won and lost on their shoulders. Right. And we have seen that multiple times from Willie Jefferson in Saskatchewan and in Winnipeg. Right. It's it's a little unheard of for a defensive player to have that much impact on a game. And it's great to see a yeah, defensive absolutely. player have that much impact, but to go elsewhere, I think I'll go, I'll go Zach Caleros. I think this guy's had a good year. He's had an MOP year for sure. I believe he'll be the MOP of the league. Once they announce the awards, I believe that's tonight as we record this on Friday. Yeah. Um, I just saw they started the award show with, I saw the first award they announced, but Oh, announce it live on the podcast. Yeah, they had a Stanley Bryant of the Bombers, Offensive Lineman of the Year. Oh, second one I just saw. Oh, uh, BC Lions uh, linebacker Jordan Williams, CFL Most Outstanding Rookie. Okay, I guess. Should have been Schaefer Baker. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, Zach Caleros, I believe, is a guy who's going to have an MOP award at the end of this season. I believe he'll get an MOP in the gray cup as well. We talked about how good, how many weapons he has to throw to and how it could be just a game where he sits there and is able to dump it off to those guys, let those playmakers play, make plays and just yeah. rack up those stats and rack up those stats and, and have an MOP game. Right. What about Canadian? I'm going to go a little bit away from, I think that Hamilton will have to stop the run. And that'll be the crux of their game plan. So um, I'm going to go with Nick Densky. If if one of our predictions come true, say it is Zach Claros, who's the most outstanding player, I can see a lot of his stuff being he finds Dembski in space and Dembski gets a lot of yards after the run, right? Or after the catch, I guess. Maybe even the run if they do sweeps. But Dembski's a big play threat and he's not a deep play threat. He's a guy who finds space, who can make people miss. He's a matchup breaker in that way from the slot with the waggle. So I'm going to pick Dembski. I like that pick a lot. I was actually thinking about going Dembski as well. But <laughs> I will switch it up once again. And I think I will just go Andrew Harris. I think we got to talk about him a little bit and just talk about yeah. this was a guy that last year or last season in the Grey Cup won both of these awards. He was the most outstanding player and most outstanding Canadian. And that's something that Hamilton is going to have in their heads too. And you can't say that you're not going to think about that and that's going to influence your nerves a little bit in Hamilton because that's a factor. Yeah. So I think he has the potential to have a really good game. It's going to be difficult against that, that Hamilton rush defense, but I think Andrew Harris is a guy who can do it and likely might do it. Absolutely. There's always the chance with him being such an elite player, right? the experience of last Grey Cup doing it already. Like I said, even if Hamilton game plans for him, if they get bullied on the offensive line, Harris will have himself a day. Yeah. Okay, and now to some other picks here. We're going to go through a few categories and just kind of make some predictions here. We'll be posting these picks on our socials as well. So follow us to check them out at the Booth EC Instagram, Twitter. So, Dave, who do you think will have more rushing yards in the game, Winnipeg or Hamilton? Um, I think it's going to be close because I think that Hamilton front is very good at stopping the run. But I'm still going to pick the Bombers because they have a lot stronger of a point of attack and the line to move people, right? So I'm still going to say the Bombers will have more rushing yards. I think I'll agree with you there, I think. I just think when you look at it, like you got to look at the defenses, obviously, but this is 
Don Jackson versus Andrew Harris. Right, absolutely. That like is said, even, even if you neutral, even if you neutralize the run game to a point, being the Hamilton defense, I still think there's a good chance that the Winnipeg defense completely shuts down the Ticats run completely, right? Yeah. I think the only area to talk about that the Hamilton cat Hamilton might have an advantage in would be quarterback running because Zach Caleros has not ran very much at all this season. I think I saw a stat that said he has less than 10 scrambles this season and zero called runs. I think that's is a lot of that is the same thing we were talking about when we talked about Mazzoli too. Yeah. Is that guy's a big injury history, a big concussion history. Yeah. He will not run unless he has to, right? Exactly. Whereas Dane Evans is completely willing to make the plays to dive head first for the first down, right? Exactly. So that might where be where you could give the tie cats an advantage in the run game, but I as well am still gonna go Winnipeg for that one. Yeah. Let's move to the other side of the offense. Who is going to have more passing yards? I'll go with the tie cast because I think that's where their offense hinges on a lot more than the bombers who have a more balanced attack. I think if the tie cats have a chance of staying in this game, they need that passing yards. Whereas I think, and I think they will be more likely to abandon the run than Winnipeg will because Winnipeg knows how balanced they can be. Right. So I'm going to go with the tie cats. I think I'm going to go with Winnipeg on this one. I think this is Zach Caleros. This is all these weapons like we talked about. I think you can't discount Andrew Harris in the past game as well. If Even if they can't get it going on the ground, that doesn't mean they're not going to use Andrew Harris. They'll get him going in the past game. I think Dane Evans is great. That, that receiving core in Hamilton is great as well. But I just think that receiving core and quarterback combo in Winnipeg is something really special. Now, this is an interesting one because it's two teams with two very good defensive lines. So who's going to have more sacks in this game? This one was close for me, but I think I'm still going to go with the Bombers. And this is one where individual players make a difference for me because Jefferson and Jeffcoat is really a pick your poison. Who do you want to get chipped and who do you want to leave going, right? So I'm going to pick them, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as having more sacks. I think the, uh, the Hamilton offensive line has shown that they are good, but these two ends trying to meet up at your quarterback is is bad news. Yeah, that's that's true. I think I'm going to go Hamilton on this one. I think, yeah, that's just another good defensive line with just what well-known guys throughout that line, guys with great cup experience, guys who just – know what they're doing in a big game like this. Like we said, a guy like Dylan Wynn is, has a chance to be a most outstanding Canadian in this game. Jagarrett Davis is the most experienced great cup player on this field on Sunday. I think these guys have a good shot of getting that done. I think, I think a, a good stat that almost made me pick Hamilton too, that I like maybe not a stat, but just an observation is this Richie Hall defense for the Bombers has been so good that he really never has to blitz more than send more than his D line. He doesn't have to send more than four. Whereas you see Steinauer's defense is not scared to send defensive backs, not scared to send Simone Lawrence. Right. So the blitzing factor may be another thing that helps the tie cats win the sack battle here. Yeah, definitely. And then this is really one of the most telling stats in football. Who's going to have the most turnovers. For me, I'm going to pick Hamilton not just the fact that we know Simone Lawrence is probably good for one that Brooks was tied for the league lead in interceptions, but it's the fact that sure. We've only had one sample size being the West final, but Winnipeg knows how good they are and they know they can come back from turnovers. I think they're going to be a little more reckless with the ball to try to get the big play because their margin for error, like we mentioned is a lot bigger. Whereas Hamilton's is way slimmer, right? So I think Hamilton is going to be more conscious of protecting the football and I'm going to give the turnover battle to the Ticats. I'm going to agree with you there. I think I mean, it's six turnovers in a game. That's, that's a lot Winnipeg. And if you can't get that under control, you're in trouble. Right. So 
I think that's going to be in your head. I think you're maybe going to play a little safer ball, but I don't think you're going to limit the turnovers too much from what you did last week. So I'm going to take Hamilton in that one too. Yeah, definitely. And then as we get into a little bit of the the betting side of the game, uh, over under right now set at 43 and a half points. Are you taking the over? Are you taking the under? When you think about that, if you average that out between the two teams, that's only 20-ish points each. Yeah, I think that with the big players in this game, all the big playmakers, I think they'll probably be more than that. So I'm going to take the over. I think I'm going to agree with you there. I think, again, yeah, there's just too many playmakers in this game Yeah, to not take the over. And- right, because it's tough to think that it's going to end with both teams in the 20s or maybe one in the high 20s and one in the low 10s, right? Just seems like that's a little bit low. Yeah. Well, and you sure don't want that to happen. Scoring's fun. I mean, we the two of us are guys that like defense, but doesn't mean there can't be scoring fun. defense too. There can't be it's, there can be scoring defense too. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So that is our picks. Again, you can find those on our socials at the booth EC. But now we get to the pick. The 108th Grey Cup in Hamilton. It's the Bombers. It's the Ticats. Spread is currently Winnipeg minus three. Dave, who will be the 2021 Grey Cup champions? This is tough because when you look at it, the Bombers have by far been the best team but like I mentioned, all those X factors really turn this almost more to me thinking, hey, man, this might be Hamilton's year at home. They've been so close. Revenge on their mind. I think I get caught taking my heart a lot of the time, so I'm going to go with my head for one time, and I'm going to pick the Bombers to win again, to repeat his champs. Let's say 31-23. I'll go Winnipeg wins by eight. One to 23. Okay. I think home field advantage is something that is so strong in Winnipeg, in Saskatchewan, and in Hamilton. And Hamilton is the home team here. And for that reason, I am going to pick the Hamilton Tiger Cats to upset the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the Grey Cup. I think it'll be a close one as well, and I think Hamilton's been a little more tested this year. Winnipeg, again, only was tested in the West Final. That was what they needed, but I think when you get this in a close game with that faithful Hamilton crowd, I'm going to go Hamilton. Hamilton, oh... Oh, what's the score going to be? Hamilton, 38, Winnipeg, 35. Wow. Real nail-biter, eh? Yeah. And I think I think because we mentioned that the margin for error is so small for the Ticats that it's going to have to be razor thin like that, right? Whereas yeah. if Hamilton has a bad day, like I said, the Bombers could win by eight or more, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, here we go. Another award announced. Special teams player of the year, Devontae Deadman for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Good to see. I like that yep. one. Yep. And I believe oh. that wrap. And then the Jake Dower Veterans Award goes to another guy playing in this game. Uh, Ty Cats tackle Chris Van Zyl. Oh, nice. That's good to see, yeah. too. Yeah. Chris Van Zyl's guy who's been around this league for a while now. He's a great Absolutely. guy yeah. from so, what I've heard. So just and- to recap, we had the Veterans Award for Van Zyl, Stanley Bryant, who's playing for the Bombers on the weekend, Offensive Lineman of the Year, Jordan Williams, Middle Linebacker, BC, Rookie of the Year, and Deadman, uh, Special Teams Player of the Year from Ottawa. That's the ones we have at time of recording. As we speak now, the awards are happening. Stay tuned. Go check out who won the rest of the awards when you're listening to this. I was going to tell you to go watch, but it'll be long over when this comes out at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah. I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll talk about these next week on the pod anyways. Next week who won on these the pod. Awards. But we'll we got be, four of them down anyways. Yep. We'll be recapping 
what was an amazing season in the CFL on next episode of the podcast. We'll talk some more riders that episode on what the riders have coming ahead for them in the off season going into next year with the Grey Cup in Regina. That'll be interesting. But for now, got any closing thoughts on this 2021 Grey Cup? It's a season that we're all happy that we got off right after one that got canceled. Um, and it's, I think it's, it's almost apropos to a point that we see the same two teams coming in for a rematch, except this time the Bombers have the home field advantage. I, uh, I'm interested to see what the division of colors is there. You know, there's always a lot of random colors sprinkled in there. Obviously, you could expect to see a lot, a lot, a lot of black and gold. But I'd be interested to see in how many troves that the Blue Bomber fans went to see their team, right? Because they are also a top three fan base in this league. I expect to see quite a bit of blue that got purchased right after the game was finished in that West final. Definitely. Oh, for sure. That game didn't sell out until after the West final too. So right. So definitely. I think there was a surge of Winnipeg fans buying some tickets. See a lot of blue, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And with that, we wrap up our analysis on the 108th great cup. What a season it's been. Let's end it off with a bang in Hamilton. As always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the booth EC. Buy some merch. Christmas time is coming. The holidays. Maybe you're getting a little extra cash in your pocket from grandma and grandpa or mom and dad. You can spend it on the booth store, you know. As always, too. Probably it's a good place. Don't send it out to, don't go to Walmart. Don't go to Walmart. Don't send it to a big supplier. Give it to the booth. We bring you this podcast for free. Give us shop local. We're local. We're from Saskatchewan. Yep. Like, share, subscribe, comment. Just get this podcast out there. We're loving what we're doing. We want to keep doing more of it for you guys. So any little bit helps. Any little bit helps. Thank you for listening. Sunday's upon us. Enjoy it. Gray Cup Sunday. Oh, I'm so ready. As always, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week to review what was hopefully an amazing Grey Cup championship.